0: Coming to you live on a Tuesday night. We are your hosts of your favorite Utah Jazz podcast, All That Jazz. I am Zach Hazeldein. He is the handsome, the brains of the operation, the one, the only, Ben Jones. Ben, how we feeling? Feeling all right, feeling all right. Do we have things to be excited about this
1: week? I have no idea. Beating the Wizards and the Cavs the way we did, I... I the, the Cavs game, especially, I don't know if that was good or bad. And uh, the Wizards game was goodish, baddish. How did you feel about the
0: introduction to this show?
1: It was great. It was
0: Does that not just put a smile on your face? Oh, absolutely. We did it for the fans, did we? We do it for the fans. We do all this for the fans. We're all mm-hmm. Utah Jazz guys. We, uh, we're really, really glad that you're with us. Um, we're glad that the Jazz have gotten back into their winning ways. And we're particularly grateful that Donovan Mitchell has kind of showed up as of late. Yeah, he's he's a baller. He's been playing well. Um before we dive into it too deep, let's go ahead and do take care of some administration. Um, we have a new listener to the show, Mr. Spencer. We appreciate you for listening. Um co worker of mine. Also, we may have picked up perhaps in the history of the world the single handed greatest review that has ever been left on any podcast on uh, itunes we
1: have 15 five-star reviews if you give us a five-star we will read it on the podcast uh (laughs) last week we mentioned um the alpha zeros five-star review and i think one of us said hopefully you're not a russian spy
0: it was it was me i will own that alpha zero (laughs) my sincerest apologies to you Ben, why don't you go ahead and read AlphaZero's latest five-star review. He says, I am not a Russian spy. Thanks for the clarification. That's it. (laughs) I am not a Russian spy. No, sir, you are not. You are a jazz fan, and we will take you. We love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for
1: not being a Russian spy.
0: Yes. Um, The show continues to grow. We've continued to go in numbers, but as always, we always appreciate our fan support. Please tell your friends. Tell your family. Send it to a friend who's down on their jazz fandom right now and uh hopefully we can pick them back up um ben what do you want to talk about today where do we start
1: we, we had like this season it's been a roller coaster ride and so i feel like this week was the epitome of that
0: perhaps we start from last week we make this great prediction after our one of our more popular shows jazz therapy uh-huh. um, which we might might as we might need to just make that a segment Jazz we'll just call a segment called Jazz session. Therapy, and I'll just voice a bunch of jazz concerns that you hear on the street these days, and then you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Mm, I like it. Oh, yeah. um, anyways, we, we really thought that the jazz would beat the Boston Celtics because of Andy Bailey's. You, you did and I did. I predicted a win. I was a couple possessions away from being right. I was a couple of let's just decide not to guard Marcus Smart while he shoots open threes away from being correct. Um, do you, should we start with the Celtics game since it was a week ago? Yeah, let's get this one out of the way. We lost. We gave up three threes in the fourth quarter to Marcus Smart in a row, and a layup to Ennis Cantor, um, a guy that we probably don't like here in Utah all that much. Hate, and uh, that was the end of it. <laughs> uh,
1: I felt like that game has been a is it I, I don't know if I'm using the word correctly, but microchasm is. It, Sure. Micro microcosm for the season. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe I'm an idiot, but that means what I, if that that game was kind of representative of what we played really
0: really well in moments and really really bad in others. Yeah, that that's that game was like representative of what this season has been like. I would agree with that. I I we were right in there neck and neck. I kind of kept feeling like one of the teams was going to pull ahead, and I was really worried it was going to be them. And then finally, they did yeah I mean, and I was meant to go watch like the extended highlight thing the like the 10 minute highlight reel. I never did, but i and i the reason why I wanted to watch it was because I really believe we just simply fell asleep on defense again yeah, I will say though that there were encouraging 30
1: seconds in the in the in the 30 second stretches in that game, which felt like
0: hadn't been hadn't happened in a while. Yeah, um, I don't know who was guarding Marcus Smart. No I one. hope we watched. Well, no, but who should have been where it was like, oh, yeah, Marcus Smart's like a 35% three-shooter. We'll let him take this. Then the next possession down. Oh, yeah, we'll let him take this again. He'll miss it. Then the next possession down, he check, And it. it's just like, okay, there goes the game. You know, all because yeah. And that, those are the kind of things that I think as Jazz fans we'd really like to see cleaned up. Yeah, well, the thing I noticed too was – uh, Donovan was like the only one
1: who s- was seeming, who looked like he was trying uh, in some aspect.
0: He was playing with a lot of passion, you but know. It, and I, I think he was personally trying to give it back to Jason Tatum because yeah. of all the hype around him, and he did. For and the most part, Tatum was part. good.
1: Tatum was really good. He was spectacular. Mm-hmm. But I think the main issue I saw with that game was, I don't want to say Don- Donovan got tunnel vision, but I think he realized. I can score nearly every time. I think think I'm just going to do that. And I think that's a fair thing for him to do. However, for whatever reason, no one likes shooting the ball on this team. And we are really passive. Maybe – actually, no, you know what it is. I think we're a team full of perfectionists on offense. We want to get the perfect shot. We want to make the extra pass when it's not there. We want to get – an open three or a, a layup, and being a perfectionist uh, kind of causes mistakes a lot of times. Maybe that's what it is.
0: Well, and I, I think what you're specifically referencing is overpassing. We'll get a shot, and then it goes. The thing that I really saw was Donovan, he was he was a superhero in that game. I mean, he played out of this world good You know, but also, on ESPN, yeah. but in the fourth quarter when we needed him, it, it was just offensive breakdown, offer offensive breakdown, where we're scrambling to put a shot up at late in the late in the shot clock, and we're not able to get one off. Yeah, and it just it just it sinks you, you know. Well, I'm also talking about guys aren't being aggressive. <coughs> Joe Ingles,
1: uh, we need guys to be more aggressive if we want to win. That's that needs to happen. Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley. I think Boyan is aggressive enough. But guys like that, those uh, tertiary
0: scorers, we need to be more aggressive. There you go. Um, to be honest with you, I remember the Celtics game, but I don't remember it as well as these other two games because that was like a whole week ago.
1: Yeah, that was forever ago, and it was very painful. And a healthy thing to do in life is to erase your pain, your the memory of your pain, and uh,
0: I did that. You, you just, you're done with it. I oh, do know that we booed, I do I do know that we booed Gordon Hayward and Haywood. um and and good for us for doing so ESPN was surprised by that Oh I'm but sorry it's ESPN. all in, it's all in good fun right I mean you leave the team and leave us with nothing and yeah do it in spectacular fashion
1: listen the Knicks booed Porzingis who was mistreated and got away from the Knicks he, however, did not. He he. It was a trade. He requested a trade,
0: and the team got things back for him. Not good things, but hey, they, they kind of blew stuff. it, didn't they? Yeah, they <laughs> got stuff. That's on them, though. That's on them. We got um, nothing.
1: But yeah. That's okay. Yeah,
0: we we got Donovan Mitchell, and here we are. From um, our own so we we win ten, we lose five. We win four, we lose four. Yeah. Did you? We see- win two. We lose. 2. Hopefully that's not what it is. Um, did, you,
1: did you see that graphic on Root Sports? Uh, I, was it last night where it's like we went 19 and two, then we went 0 five, then we won four straight, then we lost three straight, and now we've won two in a row.
0: Yeah, and, and well, and that's you know you you talk about like how to sum up the season. That's kind of how I felt like as a jazz fan is every year it feels like we finally figure it out and then just things start clicking. You know, yeah. last year, yeah. or, or t- I guess it was two years ago when we had that spectacular, you know, one 29 of 34 games down the stretch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like we finally hit this click where people just could not figure out what we were doing or how to stop us. And then last year we kind of had this other stretch where the the, the season kind of softens up, but we finally start clicking. And it feels like, man, we're really, right, you know, ready for the playoffs. Yeah. This year it's felt like we've done that like four times, (laughs) and then we come to a grinding halt. And then we do it again, and then we stop again. And then here we are now with this little two games in a row thing against really crappy teams with all of these questions going forward with kind of a hairy schedule still to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got a bunch of games in back-to-backs specifically against the Spurs, against the Lakers. we got the Clippers mixed in. Actually, we're done with the Clips. But we, we have the Rockets, I think. another. Are we done with the Rockets, too? I don't know. I think they swept us in the season series. Oh, great. great. Um, maybe there's one more Rockets game left. I, I don't think so. But I do know we have two more against the Nuggets. Um, th- there's some good teams that we're going to end up playing um, coming down the stretch that are kind of must-wins for us. Um, with, with playoff scenarios coming, there's going to be tiebreakers. It's already a tight race. We have got to get back to the state of jazz basketball where we're clicking on both ends of the floor. And for everybody out there that's saying, "Well, yeah, we won, but it was against Cleveland and um, who's the other one? Washington?" Washington at home against these two Eastern Conference dogs. Maybe that's exactly what we need right now. Um, well, Ricky Rubio, did you see this quote? Now what did he say? He says the people upstairs
1: don't care about chemistry and that was totally a subtweet on the front office of the Jazz and he thinks that we're struggling because of chemistry. Did issues. he say
0: that after the Suns game? I don't know if he said it after. I don't I saw I know he said that last year like 30 times and on his way out the door yeah.
1: and well I saw I it might have been like retweeted or something but I don't know if he said
0: it again but I would sure hope that he wouldn't say it again because I think that's ridiculous. Preposterous. Yeah, and just, I think he was just really upset last year when he was in trade talks. Well, yeah, in trade talks and shame on Memphis for leaking all that information. But also when, I mean, it sucks to not be wanted, right? Absolutely. I, and we didn't want him. I think he would have loved to come back here. My problem isn't that he's bitter.
1: My problem is people agreeing with him.
0: Yeah, the front office doesn't value chemistry. They're right. It's like, yeah, come on. No, 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 this no. team's 100% built. Um, Dennis Lindsay's character crucible, as it said. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first and foremost thing that I think they check for is compatibility and yeah. willingness to be humble and be coached and be a teammate. And that's what Those are the ingredients to good chemistry.
1: Exactly. I mean, if if the front office didn't value chemistry – we would have we would have TJ Warren on this team right now. Oh, It would be
0: a thousand things. I mean, Dennis every year always says, yeah, we could have made a lot of moves for marquee guys, big-name guys, but we just didn't feel they were a good fit. I have no idea who those names are. I suspect one of them may have been Tobias Harris. Who's
1: a good teammate, but is you'd overpay for someone probably not worth the max contract. What is he
0: doing that's different than Bogey? Yeah, and
1: Bogey's getting half. I would
0: say Bogey is much better. For for us and what he does and the consistency that we get from three and from mm-hmm. you know, effort level and defense and although he's not the Bogey's not the best defender, I mean he's good. You know, he's yeah. not great, he's good. Um, I'd rather take Bogey on a team. I think he's career highs are not a fake number here. I think well, it's yeah. because he's in a system that allows him to score. Well, I mean, his skill set is one hundred percent like I
1: think we said earlier he's a Quinn Snyder player. His skill set is a Quinn Snyder I guess
0: the offense amplifies his production. I would agree with that, and and I think that was on full display as we move into talking more about the last two wins um, instead of the Boston loss. Um, The good, I think, you know, obviously we won. Donovan played at a high level in both games against Mm -hmm. the Wizards and the Cavs. Bogey finally figured it out against the Cavs. Rudy Mm -hmm. played a little bit better. Conley played solid. The bad, we gave up 119 (laughs) points to the Wizards and 113 to the Cavs. Yeah, Uh, there's there's
1: been an identity change. So I think we're no longer we can no longer our calling card is no longer defense. I, I think what gets us going is offense. So I would say our identity has shifted from a defensive team. Two-now-one offensive team with Rudy Gobert. So that doesn't mean we can't defend, and it doesn't mean that we won't defend. It means that what gets us going as a team is our offense. So if we're clicking on offense, that's what gets us in locked in in the game.
0: Well, and they always say, too, that like both sides of the floor tie into one another. That's true. You know, like it's really easy to get back and defend when you make a bucket and they're taking the ball out of the net versus planking them mm-hmm. and constantly rushing back to defeat and and it, 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 you, you, just to get defeated on on defense again time and time again and then you don't make a shot and but I kind of feel like we get stuck in those cycles mm-hmm. where we just go cold and I I think I sent a text to Ben during the Boston game where I said I made a dad joke about it I was like man is the hoop like Nine foot seven instead of ten foot t- ten feet tall. Because the first quarter, like, we could not make a bucket. Mm-hmm. And Tatum looked just completely masterful out there. And it was brutal to watch. And then suddenly we started playing again. And then what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that I don't think gaps get closed in the score just because we started making shots. It's because our defense, that's how runs happen, is you play good defense and you score points. Well, I mean, the best
1: defenders know that they're not there because of the offense so they know that they are not there to make shots so they try to affect the game a different way so they give it all on defense and that's why Kawhi Leonard is such an exception and Giannis where they are both sides of the floor and dominant on both sides
0: yeah there you go and a question for you with all this being talked about in defense mm-hmm. do you feel like we're capable of being a good defensive team
1: i, I really do
0: i then just, why aren't we see that's the problem
1: <laughs> that's the that's the major issue so the, the reason why i think we're no longer a defensive team was I was watching the cows game yesterday and i saw i think it was boy on Head three and i see royce with this huge smile on his face and i was like I just saw like a jazz player smile what is going on and it clicked in my head that like this happiness like the, hap- the joy you get from playing for us for this team right now is coming with offensive runs and instead of taking pride on the defensive end and pride in the fact that you think you can
0: stop the greatest offense of all time if that makes any sense yeah, you know what I mean, I, I, I totally get that. And the thing that like I've kind of thought of is we just don't have a guy. And like Rudy does it on every play on defense. Um, we kind of saw some success over the last couple games when because Rudy's around the basket again. He's playing like he normally does. He's not, you know. And I think that's because of the personnel of the other teams. It doesn't really allow them to stretch us as much as mm-hmm. the Rockets do well i mean part of
1: that with the stretch with i was thinking about this too which i forgot to mention last week with the stretch five and the five out is usually when a team does that they're giving something up on defense in whatever aspect and we do, we need to take advantage of that so they can't play this five out style against us
0: well and that you know so it brings up another point but i guess just to finish what i was saying earlier then we'll jump back to this we don't have that guy and you kind of hit on it with pride That's going to say, okay, Bradley Bill is not going to score 42 on us tonight. Mm -hmm. He's already got 30. He's not going to get to 35. I'm not going to allow that to happen. We don't have that guy on the team. It used to be like Jay Crowder would say, Jay, go stop Bradley Bill. Go rough him up a bit. Mm -hmm. Give him a couple hard fouls. Get him out of rhythm. Don't give him anything easy. Take a couple fouls if you need to. And get them, you know, kind of get them out of sync a bit, and we just don't have a dude that does that anymore, you get, know. And I, and we have guys that do that. We have Royce that should be doing that. We have mm-hmm. Joe who should be doing that, you know. But it it it's that's one of the things that I like, and I I don't want to be like you. Kind of always say this too. I don't want to be like, oh, I played basketball. Yeah, I played sophomore basketball on the high school team. And then I played rec league after that, and it was a lot of fun. But I always remember, like, kind of one of the things that it was kind of fun w- playing against a de- team was when someone else was guard you were guarding was starting to get hot, being able to cool them off. Yeah, it great. was kind of a fun thing and like a fun feeling. And I think that I think that's what we're missing on defense is we're so close. Um they they made a comment on the radio the other day where they said we're honestly a couple possessions away from winning all these games that we've lost. Mm-hmm. These you know you, you talk about three plays from that Celtics game that we could have back. They were all three of those Marcus Smart threes. Yeah, you take those away and it's anyone's ball game. You well, know, and it's just Donovan, mm-hmm. somebody, Mike Conley, somebody, Royce especially. Be that guy for us that steps up and says. I'm putting an end to whoever's gonna go score thirty on us tonight. Mm-hmm. Well it makes me think like
1: the most competitive people in the NBA are the ones that defend. And that's there are obvious exceptions to that rule, but like like for example, James Harden, I believe is just as competitive as anyone else in the NBA. He doesn't play defense, but he does what is asked of him, which is hey go get thirty five a game, you know. But my point is maybe these I don't want to say this because we don't know how these guys are wired. But I feel like there's this dog mentality, this competitive spirit that we see glimpses of from the team. But it's never consistent, which is why I think we're so frustrated and why we need someone, is that we want someone, or I want someone with
0: a dog mentality 24-7. And yeah, I, I just like haven't a, seen that. Like, Have you, you ever notice that Bradley Bill's probably not going to score 37 against Patrick Beverly? It doesn't matter what team he plays on. Yeah. Do you ever notice that? Absolutely. And I get that he spends all his energy and his time on on defense and that's kind of primarily like his calling card. But you you think about you like about Bradley Bill? No, uh Patrick <laughs> Beverly. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's that that that's kind of like his thing. Like, I'm gonna go shut you down. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna lock you up. You're not gonna score on me tonight. Yeah, and that's the same thing with PJ Tucker who's a six foot five center. That somehow holds Rudy to two rebounds and See,
1: that's, five points. That's, that's what we're talking about. I, I believe that P.J. Tucker believes he's the greatest defender of all time. But he believes that because he ba- he backs that belief up. Well, he plays by, bigger than his size. But he backs that belief up by being a dog. He's pro- probably not the best defender of all time, but he's a dog. And in his mind, he's doing what he thinks he can do best.
0: And that's what – I mean, if there's anyone out there – I had a friend last week text me and say, I think Quinn Snyder listens to all that jazz because the jazz just played a matchup zone during the (laughs) Celtics game. We talked about that the night before, and that's not, you know.
1: We hope Quinn's listening.
0: Okay, fine. Let's not be humble and brag. Quinn's listening to the show. Listen,
1: Quinn, if you want to (laughs) offer us jobs, go right ahead.
0: We don't know what we'd do, but –
1: Honestly – Do you need a
0: clipboard thrown in practice? Because I'll throw a clipboard. (laughs) I will lose my mind in if, practice. If you want
1: a good, you know, if if you want a PR team, we can do that. If you want, if you want an idiot's perspective, or like an average fan's
0: perspective of coaching, we could do that. I think they have all those things already. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what value we could ever bring to the Utah Jazz, other than being the best pet fans ever. Yeah, that's true. But... We could just be like, Quinn, you're the greatest coach. We could be his hype men. I think, you know, they always talk about in football practice how – I found out the other day that football teams just hire their friends to come do stuff for them (laughs) like coaches do. And so Pete Carroll has a guy – you'd like this because you're a Seahawks guy. Pete Carroll has a guy who he's employed who I don't know who he is, but he's probably a friend of a coach. His job is to throw Pete Carroll footballs during practice. (laughs) That's it. Pete (laughs) Carroll walks around with receiver gloves on and to keep him active – while the drill's going on, he'll turn around and put his hands up, and this guy's job is to hit him in the hands with the ball. He's not a quarterback; he has nothing to do with football, other than he throws Pete Carroll football.
1: Quinn, we will do that for you.
0: Maybe just we'll throw you a bounce pass. We'll get you a towel. We'll bring you a cup of water. Mm-hmm. We'll we could be like we'll guard you from the media from reporting wrongful starting lineups. We'll whatever you need, Coach. We'll be your hype men. We'll, we'll do this podcast. We already are. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, done. So yeah. our part's done. Um, yeah. But anyways, if there was one thing that I would hope this team would get kind of going forward, it's the ability to stop Colin Sexton from scoring 32 points. Yeah. At 11-17 shooting. It's just like, yeah. not where's, tonight. Where's We're not going to let this happen tonight. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Well, yeah, I mean, we always talk about how much it seems like Joe relies on confidence feel like the team needs some some of that pride and confidence to really compete
0: i'm actually kind of backing off of like the joe ingles needs to be aggressive and make threes every night guy i'm kind of thinking now that joe is just i i think he's being a, he's impacting the game beyond the score sheet he's a facilitator he he's a calming presence and we got too many mouths to feed yeah, that's why, and I wanted, so,
1: that's why I wanted to play in the second unit.
0: Well, I, I think that's kind of the thing that we need to do is we need to mix him, Clarkson, Conley in with the second unit yeah. and whatnot um, where we can be a little bit more assertive with some of that stuff. Um, we kind of have discussed a little bit about what was going on against both the Cavs and the Wizards a little yeah, bit. I, I, I was without talking directly about, let's break down this game.
1: Yeah, I so I watched both of those games – on Monday. So I had the Wizards game recorded. I looked, found out the score, and then I didn't watch it until Monday before the Cavs game because, you know, sitting around waiting for the game to start, I was like, okay, I'll just fast-forward through as much as I can. And uh, they were actually – I thought they were going to be similar games, but they weren't because – Well,
0: and so the one thing that I will point out, too, about defense is – we put both we put both those teams away fairly early, mm-hmm. kind of where the game was just out of reach. I know the Cavs made this like made it a ten point game with two minutes left, or but it whatever. wasn't a ten point. victory. It wasn't a ten point game. Yeah. And so one thing that I will say is that sometimes you just kind of do what you have to do to win. You be a little bit more conservative. You don't give up layups, and sometimes you leave away. You give the other team empty shots, and so maybe like that one thirteen isn't actually a one thirteen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know what stats out there to prove that, but I feel like scores get inflated a little bit in the last two yeah. minutes when the game's not really close, and we put in our second unit guys mm-hmm. or kind of don't try as hard towards the end. But yeah. it still really bums me out because I want to see a Jazz win a complete where the score is one fifteen to ninety. Yeah, a and, complete game. Yes, and one fifteen to ninety. And everybody plays well. Conley has 15 points, eight assists, and five boards. Donovan goes for 30. Bogey's got 21. Joe's got 12. Rudy finishes with like 14 or 16, on six, you know seven of eight shooting or whatever. Yeah. All dunks. You know. I will say though, Conley is having flashes
1: of Memphis Conley. It's not what it was, but there was a a thing I saw in the Cavs game. Where someone was closing him out, he um, drove on him. He attacked the closeout. Looked like he was going to the layup and just whew, pass it over to. I don't. I can't remember who was in the corner for the three, but I think I think it was Royce. But he passed it over there, and I was like, oh, that's Conley. He he has this kind of first step burst that he to get guys off balance that I felt like we just haven't seen that much this year.
0: Well, so it's actually interesting you bring that up, Conley up specifically, because Tony Jones of The Athletic wrote an absolutely fantastic article today, mm-hmm. um, and it was all focused on Mike Conley. And a couple lines in there that he said were, well, there's a few things to unpack. The first thing was is that he pointed out that Conley is p- playing a lot of minutes with the second unit now. Quinn's kind of put him in the second unit with rotation and stuff like that, and it's given him complete control of the offense where he's not sharing the ball with Donovan.
1: Felt like, that's felt like what he's needed. Exactly,
0: and I, I would agree with that. I think that is what he's needed, and I think that's why you've started to see a little bit more of, let's put in a couple other starters with you. We'll put, we'll give you Rudy and Bogey, but we're not going to put Don on the floor with you and go to town, Conley. Mm-hmm. And then we see all the success come. And I'm kind of thinking maybe that might be this, the blueprint for the future. Um, I hope we can figure out how to defend within that. But
1: yeah, I mean, when you were talking about defense too, though, like, I just I think we need a dog, and however we can find one, we can't find one now. I, I was hoping Mo Harkless would get bought out, but he didn't. Goes the next to dumpster fire. Um, They're hot, man. They just beat the Rockets last night. We play him tomorrow night. Yeah, and uh,
0: five thirty on
1: AT&T Sportsnet. Maybe the most, their most iconic fan and <laughs> beloved fan, just went on first take and just trashed the organization. So
0: maybe it'll bring him to a grinding halt.
1: They are they are a hot dumpster fire.
0: Well, I saw Bobby Portis uh, hit James Harden with the qu- kind of quick elbow, back shimmy in the post with a strong finish, and mm-hmm. it was something else. Yeah.
1: Well. Every time I see the Knicks in the news, I just feel grateful to be a Jazz fan.
0: Like, I Did know you know they're the most valuable organization in the NBA? They're worth like yeah. $4.3 billion, more than the Lakers. And they're running it into the ground, which is just unreal to me. That you can, can you imagine what would happen if they were good, though? Can you imagine the ESPN coverage? It would be I don't 24-7. I don't watch ESPN. I don't I don't either. I wish I did. I wish I liked it.
1: See, that's the that's the thing. If ESPN could somehow let you customize what you're watching, so if you wanted in-depth NBA, all thirty teams, no biased coverage, along with you know NFL, if they could just let you do that instead of having to see stuff you don't want to see, that's that's their. Model. They were
0: kind of going down that path, but then guess what happened? They decided they wanted to give. Um, What's his bucket? Who's the guy that's always yelling on TV, making a scene? Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith. I can't remember why I couldn't remember Stephen A. Smith's name. They decided to pay him all the money in the world, and they laid off all their local staff. Yeah. So you no longer have all this other local stuff. But kind of what you're saying is like ESPN Radio, where you have local coverage under the ESPN banner that allows you content all over the place. I I agree. I I would be all about it. I, I was yeah. actually looking on the ESPN Apple TV app today to see highlights from the last game, and they were nowhere to be found. So, and that doesn't make sense to me. It shouldn't, because for whatever, it, at some point you
1: just gotta accept. Hey, there are Jazz fans in the world. There are Pacers fans that uh, want to see coverage of their team. At some, it doesn't have to be even on the television. Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies, small market teams, want to see their team covered by. Just they they want to see, they want it to be easy and accessible to see their team coverage instead of having to come to us, you know, hear our opinions
0: in our basement studio recording, yeah. in our basement studio with our high tech equipment. Yeah, maybe that's the answer. Actually, no, don't do that, ESPN, because we'll, it put us out of business. They put us out of business. Yeah, All even right, though everyone. that's impossible because we're not being paid yet. <laughs> um, we will. Speaking of coverage and all this stuff, this is the other piece I wanted to get to around Mike Conley. Mm -hmm. What did you make of last week's fiasco in the benching and then the unbenching of Mike Conley?
1: So did that happen before last week's episode?
0: No, that happened the day of. It was against the Celtics that it broke because we lost to the Suns. The world was falling. The sky was falling. Everything was over. We might as well forfeit every game for the rest of the season because Jazz fans just couldn't handle it. And then the Athletic, Tony Jones, breaks the news that Mike Conley had been moved to the starting lineup, Mm -hmm. or out of the starting lineup, and that we were going to start Royce again. And then it was decided an hour later, under mixed reports, that the team spoke, that Quinn had the final say and sided with the team, and that Conley was happy and unhappy with all these things. They, They ultimately decided, Quinn did, that he would start Royce and Conley in bench Joe. What did you make of all that? Okay, so my
1: theory is I think there's some false reporting going on with the details surrounded of the benching and unbenching. So the idea that Conley is, an un- is unhappy because of it and he forced him to change, I think that's I, th- I think that's BS. I don't think that's real. What I do think is real is that I think Quinn made a decision and thought it through a little bit more and changed his mind and i think it's kind of a non it's not a non-story but it's i I just don't think it's very significant in anything if that makes sense
0: it it makes and that's kind of what i gathered too i i kind of wondered if Perhaps uh, Tony Jones got some bad info or misunderstood or whatever. I, no, I in think his article, was... in his article today, he made it clear that Quinn decided to undo what he had done, and so maybe and maybe that's what it was. Maybe I think Tony reported the right thing, and I think he it was cleared up.
1: Um, I think the decision was made, and I just think they thought it through some more before actually looking at this
0: the second time we're going to change our mind before we have to submit the starting lineup for tonight's game yeah I mean and boom but then what
1: it, the idea that hey Mike's agent was mad about it I just don't think that's yeah I that just, was a rumor wasn't it I just don't think that's real you know I, I think this idea that this team is has some bad character locker room issues is is full of it I just I, there's no way that's true.
0: Well, it kind of goes back to your character, Crucible. Yeah, I mean. Team chemistry thing. And I know we're not winning, but can you imagine what we'd be saying about chemistry if we were? Exactly. Exactly. I, and so, and that that's the indication of I, I think these guys all get along. And I think they I, all want to win. It's just been kind of a rough go.
1: That's the whole thing, though, is winning cures everything. So, right now, we're winning some games, but we're losing some games that we feel like we should win. When it happens in the locker room, no one's happy. That doesn't mean this team has chemistry issues or locker room issues. That just means they're unhappy with the way things are going. Okay, that doesn't mean that they hate each other. That's all I'm trying to say. Because I've I've seen some people say that these jazz players hate each other. You know, we don't care about chemistry. It's it's not true. It's it's the fact that losing the more you lose, it's the harder it is to stay to, to for the locker room to stick together. That's all I'm saying.
0: Well, and I, I would agree with that, you know, and I, I think that's a fair assessment. But it also reminded me, we kind of we kind of already hit on the athletic article from today, which is fantastic for those of you that subscribe to that, which I've actually learned is not as many people as I thought there were. There should be more, right? Probably all of the, the Reddit folks. They're probably all. By the way, you Reddit people are awesome. All you fans out there that are on Jazz Reddit that – Ben told me the other day, I didn't see it, but he told me the other day that uh, – Thread was going on what are the best jazz podcasts, and somebody who listens to the show threw in all that jazz into the list amongst all the other names like Locked On Jazz and the J Notes. And
1: There's a lot of podcasts about
0: it. The there jazz. are, and so we, we kind of got our hat thrown in that ring, and thank you to all you Reddit folks. Um, you're the real people keeping us afloat out there. But I kind of wanted to hit on what Conley said to Tony Jones today on The Athletic. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, speaking about his frustrations and realizing what, what was being said about him in the media, he, he said, nobody is more frustrated than me. Not the fans, not the media, not my teammates. I'm not a guy who runs from looking in the mirror. But at this point, I have to control what I can control, and, stay, and I have to stay locked in. I have to focus on what I can handle. I know what's being said, but in a big way, it's not in my control what people may think. Which is – that's that's a pro's pro, kind of what we thought about Conley coming into the season. That's a pro's pro coming out. Mm-hmm. But the article went on to have a couple other quotes where he said, people want me to be the same Mike Conley that was in Memphis. That simply can't exist on this jazz team. And, and, and so I had – that's that's what kind of what he's saying is I've learned – I have to be me, but I have to be me in context to the Utah Jazz. Gotcha. I don't have to be me in context to the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: And, and that doesn't mean he, he can't produce like he did in Memphis. Maybe something's changed, but I think the the thing about Memphis was that they just didn't have anyone on offense, and he had to have the ball so – like. He had to be a ball-dominant player on those teams because they didn't have
0: many offensive threats. No, and we've seen his three balls start to go. We've seen him finish at the rim a little bit better the last while. Mm-hmm. Cavs game, we saw his floater was locked in again.
1: He needs that float. He needs to get those down.
0: He well, really does. So, and then kind of going back to the point made earlier, I also think it makes a huge difference when he's owning the offense in the second unit, mm-hmm. quote-unquote the second unit. But we sub Don off the floor, and now Conley's the guy that controls the ball. And then we bring Don back in for Conley, and that's kind of the way the rotation works. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of maybe the way that we should be doing it because it kind of mixes what – it kind of makes me raise an eyebrow, honestly, because we just talked about what Quinn's intentions were last week mm-hmm. about benching him and then unbenching him. I don't think. But now was... we're playing him in the second unit just as much as. I think he realized he a
1: starting unit. Yeah, I think he just realized that we need if we want to get more out of him, he's just gonna to have to have the ball in his hands more. And if we can't force the ball into his hands, we're gonna to have to put him in lineups where he needs the ball in his hands. and
0: maybe that's maybe you're right maybe this is just coaching brilliance where quinn's finally figured out through a variety of trial and error Mm -hmm. you know ways the way that we're going to do this is we're going to start him along with royce and then we'll bring don out and then let mike do his thing and then we'll let don do his thing and then we'll get mike his minutes and his points and efficiency when Don's not on the floor, which is actually a much-needed thing. Mm-hmm. That way it's not solely up to Clarkson to do that.
1: Yeah, and and hopefully it all works out. Ho- like, you know, maybe this Conley experiment doesn't work. It's yeah, it's definitely a possibility, and, and so far what we've seen, that's what it looks like. And that's the hard part, I think, for me to swallow
0: is. Well, and that's what Tony reported last week when that athletic article dropped. Oh, what did um, he say? Well, so it was kind of like a three-paragraph thing that said the Jazz have decided to put move Mike Conley to the bench, bring him off the bench. This is an admission by the Jazz front office that the Mike Conley experiment did not go as planned or intended. Yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of like, whoa. We've all been talking about this for forever, and now someone from the media that is really close to the team who probably has to have permission to say those kinds of things in a way you know, not like he has to go ask Dennis. Can I publish this article? Mm-hmm. But in a way, he has to be careful with what he says and what he doesn't, because there's a relationships he has to maintain. But when that was said, I was kind of like, "Whoa!" Yeah. You know, that's that's yeah. big. Well, I mean, the idea that
1: you know this, these issues are going to plague us forever, I, I think is dumb. Like, I don't have, I don't have blind faith in the the jazz front office but I know they're they're always going to figure it out cuz they always figure something out to some extent. Mm-hmm. So, while we may not be a 61 team, we'll figure we'll iron out these issues. Whatever
0: has to be done is going to be done. So, kind of looking forward, we have this week's games. We play the Knicks, who we better beat. We play Boston. Be really nice to go get some revenge in TD Gardens. Um And then I think, I'm trying to remember, we're back home against Toronto on Monday night, and guess what? I'm going to that game. Oh, really? How fun is that? Good for you. Yes, I'm really excited to be down there for that. Um, What do you think we need to do, though, in order to kind of solve what we need to solve so this team starts hitting its stride? We talked about defense, and I think we kind of hit that one on ahead. It's Mm got to be a team thing. And people need to take it personal. Absolutely, I think. What else do you think is holding us back? What else do we need to do in order to get there? Well, um,
1: like I said earlier, this this identity change from last season—that we're not this scrappy team overachieving. We are. We have actual talent. That um, if we want to overachieve, we need to get that scrappy mentality back. And you're seeing this around the league a lot more than you probably would have 10 or 15 years ago. So you look at the Clippers right now. um, They had an identity change by signing Kawhi Leonard and and trading for Paul George. Uh, You saw saw it last year with the Celtics where I'm sure there were more locker room issues. I'm sure there were guys that hated uh, certain players on that team but uh and uh we've seen it with a lot of teams with lebron james where they just don't care about the regular season you know they for whatever reason they don't give it their all in the regular season and i think that it's something new where there's some mentality change with players that now that they have talent they don't have to give the same amount of effort anymore maybe that's it I don't know. That's a th- that's that's a hypothesis by me.
0: Yeah, I just you know and those are all valid points, but it's kind of a head scratcher. I don't know what the data shows. I I don't think we've had a consistent lineup enough to know what a unit looks like because it's been so up and down. Clarkson's the guy. Then this is guy. And then we put Conley in there, and then mm-hmm. let's mix let's mix in Mitchell and Clarkson. Con- like there's kind of it's been some awkward. It hasn't been like your last year. I feel like it was kind of set. You know we play these guys and we play these guys and we check these guys back in. This year, it's just been kind of all these tools moving at once.
1: And, and same with how they're performing, the, their performance is going up and down instead of steady.
0: Well, and hopefully we kind of see that change. I feel like Donovan has been much more steady, yeah as of the last week and a half. and I, I'm like hope, I, I think it's like a kind of a consistentness yeah. that's coming back Consistency, yeah. to his game. You start mm-hmm. seeing some moves that he's pulling out that's like, okay. That's the Donovan we know and love. Where did those go? You know, during these losing yeah. stretches. Um. I I hope to see a couple things down the stretch. I really hope that we see, and I I'm gonna buy into this whole Conley running the second unit thing. Mm-hmm. I hope we see ownership within that, and I yeah. hope we see mass amounts of production where other teams aren't able to go get off to a. run, you know, and all this stuff. I hope Conley's able to kind of negate a lot of that stuff. And hopefully it happens on defense as well as it does on offense. So that's one. The other thing I want to see is I kind of hope Rudy doesn't ever really get that frustrated ever again about guys not throwing him the ball in the post because they have made a very clear and conscious effort to get him the ball in the post. And it attributes to five or six turnovers a night where we get it, we hit him in the hands, and he's just not able to catch the ball. I can't believe we've gone 45 minutes without really mentioning Rudy because
1: something, part of those defensive struggles we've had, I think, can be attributed to him not being a god on the defensive end of the floor.
0: Well, but there's other things where we see things like Rudy not getting back in transition defense. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Harpering even kind of called that out in the broadcast. Well, there's finally Rudy getting back on defense, hustling. Something's... And it's kind of like, gosh, we cannot. Why? <laughs> Why to what? Why are we not doing these things? Like, ah, yeah. You know, and that's, that's kind of, we got to start doing the little things again. And that that means that, we yeah, we got to get Rudy involved in the offense, but it needs to happen organically. It doesn't need to be yeah. a, okay, I mean, Rudy's crying because he doesn't need the ball. Everybody throw the ball to him and pass up. Well, Better shot so that we can get it to him, so we can clank it off his hands and watch it go out of bounds. And then, my bad, my bad.
1: Yeah, if we want Conley, Gobert pick and rolls where they have to choose between the the floater and the lob for Rudy, that's where I think we want the scoring to come from, or where we get the team off bounds. We get to the rim, the help comes, Rudy's open for a dunk. That that's what you mean by organic, right? Yes,
0: where? I want to see organic offense to Rudy Gobert where it's.
1: Yeah, Easy
0: buckets at the basket. I mean, yeah. Mitchell had a pass the other night where he penetrated all the way into the lane. I kind of thought he had an open shot, and or maybe he didn't. Maybe the guy was on his hip or something. But he ball faked out to the three line and then brought it back and kind of wrapped it around the defender for a little drop mm-hmm. pass down to Rudy who finished with this big dunk. Yeah. And I kind of saw stuff, and I was like, those are the kind of plays, like simple, easy offense. But when Rudy goes down and posts a guy up, I don't care if he's six foot one or P.J. Tucker, or J.J. Barea, Rudy has proven more times than not, he's not catching the ball in the post and finishing at the rim. If He, can he can just... doesn't have – I mean, he gets blocked by Robert Covington. Yeah. He, there's all these examples where it's just like – or he does like this weird giraffe arm flanged flang, left-handed like hook at the rim that's just kind of like – if he
1: can uh,
0: if he can just bring the ball up to his chest, that would eliminate, like, 80%
1: of those issues. Well, do you know what a drop step is? <laughs> well, he's probably not strong enough for that. But, like, catching the ball at his hip. That's a terrible thing to happen for
0: a big guy. Well, he does, but there's, like, also times where we throw it at his head, and he still doesn't catch it. And it's like... He has come a long way, though. He's come light years, but if you're going to complain about not getting touches... You can't flub all these passes up. Well, I think, and I'm guilty of this too. I think we
1: think sometimes that these guys have nor are normal people. You know what I mean? How the fact that they've got gotten this far, that they are 0.01 percent of the human population to be this good at this sport, right? And it an ego comes with that, so. Oh, maybe guys think they can do a little bit more than they actually can. Like, I think the Rudy, the reason why Rudy succeeded, is because he had that kind of swagger and belief that he was better, that he actually was, and so he wanted to prove that. Like I said that earlier with the P.J. Tucker point, where he thinks he's a better defender than he actually is, but he's, the reason he has that swagger and that confidence is because. Every time he defends someone, he's, he thinks he's going to stop them. And I think Rudy has a, a similar mentality like that where he thinks he can contribute in this aspect when it's, he probably isn't as good as he, he would like to think so, but he he that's why he's good at what he is.
0: Well, and I, I'm I not saying that I don't want Rudy to be. Yeah, I know what you mean. I would love for him to show up and score 27 a night and have millions of dunks and hit a little left-handed hook shot and all this stuff. But, you know, kind of the other point that I wanted to bring up was we got to cut turnovers out of the game. And that's – Locke always kind of says, well, there's such thing as good turnovers and bad turnovers. When you're playing fast and you're you're kind of running an offense at a high rate and there's more passing, you're going to get more turnovers. What you don't want is guys being passive on passing. You Mm -hmm. want them to continue to pass aggressively. And – How many more times does it work out than it doesn't? You want to play those odds, and you got to be able to gauge that as a coach and as a team, and that's all great. But I think what we've seen so far in the season is a very turnover-prone thing where we're getting beat because of that. Well,
1: that's why I mentioned earlier
0: about it's just unnecessary loss of the ball. Yeah, I feel like these guys are perfectionists. you got to keep it down to less than 10 a night. Absolutely. But but but, we see these games where it's like 24 turnovers. You're not winning that game. Yeah, well,
1: a lot of times when you're afraid to make mistakes, you actually tend to make more mistakes when you're focusing on not making mistakes. Wait, did that come out?
0: That came out. I heard it.
1: Did it make sense? Just don't focus on – don't just – don't try – don't worry about making mistakes. Be okay making the mistakes. Like you see it in youth basketball a lot where – if there's a a tough coach who will yank you know the player out if he misses a shot or forces a turnover, those those kids are going to be afraid to shoot and afraid to pass. And I think we're seeing some of that from the players themselves, where maybe they get down on themselves for missing a shot or a turnover, you know. And we, we they kind I I feel like guys need to get out of them at that mentality of. I don't want to. I want to get the perfect shot. Something like, I think you just got to take what you can get, um, and sometimes it's always not the greatest shot. But you need to get what you can get. If that makes any sense?
0: Makes a ton of sense. Um, I. Th- that's kind of what I hope to see coming down the stretch. I. I really hope to see that we uh, we're able to kind of pull it all together and get things done and that we start seeing some of these changes and this meshing happen that we've been waiting for all this time. The good news is I think there's tons of runway left. There's still ground to make up. There's still wins that we can go get. We can still be competitive and turn into this team that we all really hope we can become and probably should become. I just... uh, I don't know. I'm really glad that we kind of had this softened up schedule over the last three games. Let's go get three in a row yeah. against the Knicks, and then let's see what happens against Boston and mm-hmm. the Raptors coming up. Yeah, and, and hopefully, I actually hope we play the Rockets and beat them. That's I, that's
1: ultimately what I want out of first round. Would
0: series. that not be the the best series? Yeah, it would be great it if we went be and beat the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, heaven forbid we start playing, making teams play us instead of us playing them. Yeah. You know that's like a thing in sports, right? Mm-hmm. Coaches go in a locker room. We don't play their game. They play ours. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, though, Jazz. Mm-hmm. Start making teams play your basketball. Okay.
1: Uh, do we want to do the end of show segment? Or game show?
0: Um, sure. Let's hit it okay. up real quick.
1: This is not the one we planned. Um, this is more of a ballpark question. Okay. Uh, how many double-digit point games has Joe Ingles had since January 22nd? Two. Is that your final answer? Final answer. That is correct.
0: I don't know how I did that. I think he scored 10 points once and like 14 another night.
1: Yeah, so did you check his game log recently?
0: (laughs) No, I just... Sometimes I have a freak memory and remember these things. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can't uh, remember where I put my keys down in the morning and I searched for them for 20 minutes <laughs> on my way to work. But uh, if you asked me how many points Joe Ingles has scored, I'm pretty sure I'm right, too, when I say 10 points and 14 points. <laughs> I think it was 11. but Maybe uh, it was 11, but I knew that was it. Okay, next.
1: Uh, that was all I had. That okay. was the only one I could think of. Um,
0: but, yeah, that was the game show segment. There you have it. Yep, one question, one answer. Next week, um, just to keep all you cliffhanger folks happy and listening, we're going to bring back a couple game shows, one of them being your favorite, Two Tweets and a Lie. Yes, sir. If you want to contact us,
1: email us at bestutahjazzpodcast,
0: bestutahjazzpodcast at gmail.com I forgot that for a second. And follow us on Twitter at jazz underscore pod. Let us know if you have any content you'd like us to cover, your thoughts. Let us know any feedback on the show. We'd love to chat with you. Yep. Until next time, go Jazz, and let's go get some wins.